First, though, if you are somebody that enjoys going on cruise ship vacations or you work in the cruise ship industry, maybe you have a business that depends on the tourism that comes with the cruise ship season, you will be happy to know that today there was an announcement about what it's going to look like when it gets underway as early as next month. We have reached an agreement for the safe restart of the cruise ship industry in Canada. This framework developed with federal, provincial, and local public health agencies, the U.S. government, and the cruise industry includes a number of health measures. Among them is the requirement for passengers and crews to be vaccinated against COVID-19. The framework also includes testing and reporting. We are also adjusting our travel advice for Canadians taking cruises and continue to advise travelers to proceed with caution. The cruise ship industry represents more than $4 billion annually for our country's economy. It supports approximately 30,000 jobs. That is why today's announcement is a new step for the return of the first cruise ships in Canadian waters in early April. All right, that announcement was made at a port in Halifax earlier today. That was Federal Transport Minister Omar Al-Gabra announcing those measures will be in place. So much the same as traveling to and from the United States, although some are already pointing out a couple of wrinkles that could potentially become issues if people who have already been tested will then have to test again. Could be a matter of hours later to get on the cruise ship. Let's talk more about this now, though, with Claire Newell, the president and founder of Travel Best Bets. And Claire is with us on the line now. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks, Jill. It was really, really exciting news for anyone in the travel industry to hear Omar Al-Gabra, the Minister of Transport's announcement today. We've been waiting for quite some time for this. So what does this mean then for people that are booking cruises or going on cruises and for cruises, cruise ships that will start coming to Canadian ports? Yeah, well, it's, it was really timely because of the fact that the very first cruise ship that's going to be entering Canadian waters is actually calling on Victoria April the 6th. So it's just like it's weeks away. So until now, um, we've had the advisory to avoid all cruise travel and that's now lifting. And so the government of Canada is adjusting its advice for cruise ship travel and they will say that travelers now should proceed with caution, which is very similar to what they're suggesting for um, everywhere else in the world as well. They've also made some adjustments as far as how the testing will go. And this is kind of what the cruise lines and anyone planning to, to go on board were really waiting for. So they have... Moving forward, you will need to be fully vaccinated to go on board a cruise ship leaving from Canadian waters. That everyone had expected. It was the testing. How was that going to be working? And so it's very similar as if you're going, coming and going uh, to the U.S., So, which essentially you are. You're going to Alaska. So you can do, just like you were going to the U.S., you can do uh, an, a rapid antigen test within one day of your scheduled departure. And then disembarking, you would do the same, an antigen test within one day of your scheduled arrival back to Canada when you're walking off a cruise ship. And so, um, and if you chose to do a molecular test like a PCR, that's still done within that 72-hour window 
going and coming. So this is really, uh, this is big news because the cruise ship industry, Jill, it represents more than 4 billion annual input into the Canadian economy. And directly and indirectly, it generates about 30,000 jobs. So this is really important to come back. And I think anyone who's working in the, uh, in the travel and tourism industry knows that this is just another milestone on the road to recovery. Yeah, some good news, especially for people who have been maybe waiting to book or to go on one of those cruises. So yeah. I, I thought I'd read as well, though, that there will also be testing on board the ship either or testing after you board and even potentially during the cruise. Um, well, what we've been instructed on the, in the information now is that it will just be a pre-boarding measure and then a disembarking measure. Okay. So um, that's what we are going by. That's what's on the uh, the government's website at the moment. It's in their press release. So that's kind of what we've been uh, we're going with now. I, I hope that that does not change. <laughs> and so I'll, I'll read a little bit more thoroughly. But that's what I have read moving forward. Um, you know what you mentioned that people have been hesitant, and I see that. I see that in the um, in the bookings. We've seen a lot of bookings for July, August, September, October when it's kind of ending in the season, um, and because of that some of the sailings really early in this season are the cheapest that I've seen in like almost 30 years of being in the industry. I, I was looking at one uh, for a friend of mine, actually, April 30th or May the 7th. I'm seeing $3.99 for a one-week Alaska cruise round trip from Vancouver. Keeping in mind, that's almost the price of a hotel room in Vancouver for one night during cruise ship season. Um, taxes are two eighty seven, but it's on a really beautiful ship, relatively new, called the Koenigsdam. Um, so these types of deals, I think, are going to be popping up for the early season Alaska, for sure. Uh, so what advice would you give to people then if somebody is concerned? Uh, because, it, like you said, it's kind of like flying uh, to the United States. And one of the big concerns is if you unfortunately test positive while you're in the States and then you're stuck there because you can't come back until you've been cleared. What would happen then if somebody is on the cruise ship and for somehow test positive before getting off the cruise ship? What, what would happen in that scenario? Very similar to what would be happening if you're going on a vacation and find out the same thing. So if a, pa- a passenger actually contracts COVID-19 on board a ship, he or she can expect to be isolated on board the ship. They usually have a full floor that is for anyone um, who, who may test positive and not be able to take part in communal activities. That's what the government has stated. Keeping in mind, if you're doing it uh, while you're embarking, you know that you wouldn't need to go on board. You could just go home. So many people uh, are going and they live in BC. So if I, if that was me, I would just go back home. I wouldn't even uh, go. I wouldn't even right. board. <laughs> right. I was just curious if, so I think that would still be a, a, something that people are concerned about that nobody wants to be isolated, especially on a cruise ship, I think. And then disembarking yeah. though, if you, if they would kind of have to let you get off the ship again to go home and continue isolating, if that's what you have yes. to do. Yeah, you'd have to go home and isolate for the five days. Um, one of the things that will be interesting to watch is with Canada having and the U.S. having so much pressure at the moment to drop testing completely, it would then likely happen that um, that the cruise ships would follow the same and maybe testing later on in, in the cruise ship season would be dropped if, if they're dropped for going to and from the United States. So we'll have to kind of keep an eye on what happens with that. And what about insurance and should be should people be looking at specific travel insurance or does it change kind of the insurance requirements? Yeah, so the current advisory uh, avoid all cruise travel um, because it's being lifted. 
that will then make it a lot easier. Insurance becomes much more accessible. Many, many policies that people have through credit cards and work policies. Of course, you'd want to read the fine print, but they will actually cover you should you get COVID while you're away. However, in this case, um, if you happen to get COVID, you're on board the ship and they would absolutely be taking care of you. All right. And I, you know, you mentioned that people have been booking kind of farther into the future, I think, in hopes that the, the testing might be eliminated altogether. But do you think this announcement will kind of help people with their confidence levels or we'll see things getting busier? Oh, yeah, no question. We saw it as soon as the advisory was lifted, uh, the level three advisory and the um, avoid all non-essential travel outside of Canada was lifted last week. We just saw an influx of people wanting to, to start to book. Uh, and cruising has, have, we've seen an increase and this will certainly increase it even more. All right. Well, Claire Newell, always great to talk with you. Nice to be talking about what many will look at, at as a very positive announcement today. Thank you so much for your time. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks again, Jill. Thanks so much for being with us on this Monday afternoon. Well, on Saturday morning, I happened to be driving on 4th Avenue in Kitsilano and uh, came upon police cars, saw the flashing lights, and I was with a friend and we thought, oh no, what's what's happening here? At first, we thought maybe it was a traffic crash or something. But as we got closer, we saw a global news camera and then saw the yellow and blue paint that had been thrown on the Russian community center that is in that neighborhood right on 4th Avenue. And a lot of those who are part of that center say they were speechless when they saw what had happened and the vandalism on the front door and at some of the entrance to the center. Ariadna McKenna is the chair, the head of the board at the Russian Community Center. Here's what she told Global News. I was choking back tears and I I am now um, to have people filled with so much hatred over something that that is a half a world away there's other ways of showing your support for whoever you need to support but right now our mission is to support our our membership our parents our kids our our members and and that's by by saying to them we together we'll get through this um, and we need to show strength to each other and uh, for for the those who are really feeling it because they have friends, family, and others. And it it just, it was a smack in the face when I, I drove up and saw it. That's Ariadna McKenna, head of the board at the Russian Community Center, which was vandalized on the weekend. Joining us now to talk a bit more about this is Jane McFadden, executive director of the West 4th Avenue Business Improvement Association. Thank you so much for taking the time with us today. Yeah, my pleasure, Jill. Happy to be here. What was your reaction when you heard what had happened and saw what had happened? I think I I probably did the same thing. The, oh, no, what's happening in our community? Um, The the photo is quite shocking. I wasn't driving down West 4th, but, of course, was sent the photo by several people and and spoke to uh, a few of the people that run the Russian Hall right away. And it's shocking and it's sad. And when we see something like this happen, uh, what what kind of message does it send in that? I, thankfully, a lot of people have been coming out on social media and coming out to support the center saying, yes, we understand that people are angry and people are are devastated by what they're seeing in Ukraine. But to make that connection to somehow blame the members of a community center doesn't make a lot of sense. 
Yeah, it's confusing, and I think people don't necessarily know where to to project that anger and frustration. And I think all of the citizens of the world, I don't think I'm presumptuous in thinking that most of the world is, is upset by this and, and mad. But um, as as she just said in, the, in that quote, there's so many ways to show. And I think there were some great rallies on the peaceful rallies on the on the weekend to show solidarity for the citizens of the Ukraine. Uh, was there concern or had you heard concern that because that hall is on a very busy street and it is called the Russian Community Center, were there concerns that it might be targeted like this? Um, I hadn't heard anything, but of course, uh, when news broke a few weeks ago, I did. it did cross my mind. Um, it is a Russian hall and it's a cultural community center, but at the same time being called a Russian hall, I did speak to my board members about just the fact that that is the name and we should prepare for it. Now, I, I guess I didn't imagine it coming out in, in the sh- shape of a, you know, the, the Ukrainian flag um, in paint. But needless to say, I think that I'm not sure that they were prepared for that. But I think, um, you know, now we are and we're better communicated as, as a uh, membership and neighbors are watching out. And I know the police walked around and looked for a surveillance video and spoke to several of our business members in that vicinity and on that block. So I think lots of people are feeling protective and and um, reached out to that community, which I think is amazing. I, th- I understand that people are coming from all over the city to help clean up the paint, which is really nice to see and fills, I think, people with hope. And do you know if there are, like you say, every, there are cameras in many, many places. Do you know if there is surveillance video or security video of of the vandals? I know that several of my businesses do have a video that would touch on that. The police haven't confirmed one way or another with me, but I know that they were doing their investigation. So I suspect they will get video. Are there any other businesses that maybe have Russian affiliations or that there's a fear now they too could be targeted? No, but I do know outside of my area, there's some businesses downtown that I understand uh, and speaking to people over the weekend that have been threatened, which is just terrible. And and back to that, like, where do people vent that frustration and anger? Um, Not to the people that are our neighbours and our colleagues that are Canadian and and happen to be Russian descent. It's just not not where people should be uh, addressing their anger. And are you seeing then people coming forward? Like you said, it was lovely to see people offering to help with the cleanup or offering their assistance if they could help with cleaning up the the paint that was thrown on the center. Do you think it will lead to it will lead to more perhaps fundraisers or more community events that are more positive in helping people in Ukraine? I do. I've actually had uh, quite a few emails today from our membership saying, what should we do? How can we make this something um, in a more positive light? What can we do as a community? So I think it will prompt, which is is kind of a a nice thing at the end of of this, hopefully the end of this, um, at least in our community, to see people wanting to create something more positive. So um, I've started that discussion with my board members as well. Uh, do you know if our businesses uh, flying Ukrainian flags or are businesses putting up displays of blue and yellow or anything like that to show support? There are um, there are a few businesses that have, and I suspect that we'll see a lot more of that. I'm seeing more of that available, you know, sticker. Um, so I think we'll see a lot more of that, both 
commercial and resident. And this particular act, obviously, is about the the Russian invasion of Ukraine and somebody who obviously is very upset. Many people are very upset and horrified at what's happening. But has there been an increase in general? It seems like there has been an increase in graffiti and in this kind of vandalism against businesses in general. Absolutely. And it it stems not from this um, terrible um, thing that we're witnessing as the world, but uh, it started to increase uh, over COVID, actually. And I think maybe abandoned businesses and businesses that didn't have their shop owners and operators in them uh, were, were easy targets. So we actually increased our graffiti budget, as did many of the other, uh, there's 22 BIAs in the city, and many of us increased it. And we also received more support from the city of Vancouver um, in regards to specific graffiti, because we've got uh, consistent taggers, and we've always seen that, but we're definitely seeing a lot more and have for the past 18 months to two years. And is it a business that picks up that tab? If you arrive at your business and somebody has thrown paint on it or spray painted it, is it the cost? Is that the business owner that has to pay for that? Uh, We have, as our business association, we have a contract with Goodbye Graffiti and many of my colleagues have the same thing in place for their business association. So it's covered. They just have to contact us and then Goodbye Graffiti's out sort of within 24 hours to 48 hours. Um, to clean it up, if it's uh, a tag that's profanity, um, they're they're out there right away. They were um, on scene on late Saturday afternoon and finished cleaning up what uh, many people had cleaned up. But there, you know, it's difficult sometimes to get it out of the sidewalk. Um, so they were there on late Saturday afternoon. But most of the BIAs have a contract in place. All right. How will this uh, impact, do you think, as far as you kind of touched on this, uh, that that, the people are, I guess, more alert and uh, hoping that uh, something like this doesn't happen again, that businesses aren't uh, threatened or or singled out simply because they might have one word in their title or or have what appears to be an affiliation. Uh, Do you think there's going to be any longer term impact of this? Well, I certainly hope not. I mean, I think we're all um, living in a different world these days, and, and people are heightened with little, littler patience than they had a few years ago. So I think um, we just really need to communicate and stay focused as a community on helping one another and protecting one another and ke- keeping our eyes open for others. All right. Jane McFadden, thank you so much for making the time for us and for joining the show to talk more about this today. Appreciate it. My pleasure, Jill. Have a good day. We have been talking a lot about gas prices these past few days. Others in the country feeling the pain as well, although not quite as much as here in BC when you hear other provinces talking about gas being as much as $1.65. Uh, many people in Metro Vancouver on the weekend saw 209.9 for gas and it's expected that is going to get higher and higher. So are people going to Point Roberts to fill up there. Let's check in with Brian Calder, the CEO of the Point Roberts Chamber of Commerce. Brian, great to have you back on the show. Hey, Joe, welcome back yourself, and it's pleasure to hear from you and uh, your follow-up on Point Roberts. We always appreciate it. Well, we've got a few things to talk about because I know there have been some issues uh, with building and others coming down to Point Roberts, but have you noticed an increase? Are people, are Canadians coming there to get gas? 
Well, yes, they are. Uh, current prices this morning, well, actually at 10 o'clock, uh, 120 uh, to the high of 130. Um, so, yeah, there's some coming, but again, in perspective, we in 2018, 2019, as you know, we got 1.5 million crossings, and now we're probably about 150,000 on an annual basis. So we're still down 90% as far as traffic goes. We appreciate what we're getting, but it's way, still way, way off. And a lot of that is misinformation and apprehension. I mean, people have been deprived of here for two years on the lockdown. And so to get them back in again, it's getting the information out. And even the border crossing people, when you phone them, we get all kinds of calls, tens of calls, saying, well, I phoned. And I say, well, which one did you phone? I mean, read our website. We published the order in council in Ottawa that was brought in in November, again in in uh, December and then again in February, and it's good until March 31st at the current reading of it. And it says you do not have to uh, have a PCR test on your return. You do have to have your double vax coming down, fill out your arrive can going back, but you do not have to have the PCR test. Only Point Roberts. So when they phone, and if they phone to PSARCH, some of the times they get an officer who is not aware of the Point Roberts situation and gives them the information for the rest of the borders. And so they say, well, who's right and who's wrong? And, I, you know, I talk to the actual government. They must be the ones that are right. And it depends who you talk to in the government. They still haven't got the information to all the officers yet. Still? Which yeah, you... <laughs> exactly. I mean, you go... This is a, it mystifies me. I mean, it's a simple problem. And as Point Roberts, to me, is a simple solution. But boy, oh boy, can they complicate stuff or obfuscate or ignore or give it the old one-size-fits-all mentality. And I mean, if they're a business, they'd never survive. <laughs> that is that is true, and that that probably goes predates COVID nineteen for sure. Um, just, for, just something that you'd said that so so for right now for Canadians who say want to go to Point Roberts and get gas or just pop down for a day or even twenty minutes for that matter. You mentioned there's no PR test to come back. There's no test at all to come back, is there? Well, it depends on what you call arrive can. I call that a test. Okay. Uh, <laughs> especially if you're not computer and, and telephone, you know, uh, uh, your phone illiterate, uh, it can be uh, overwhelming. But I don't know why it's even there. That's, it's another, what it's caused is uh, for some of our suppliers, like our concrete suppliers, we cannot get a concrete supplier truck to come here any longer. We used to have a uh, yard at a time out of Delta because they were real close and everything. But since Arrive Can, with all the other restrictions to their drivers, who have to have, obviously, your passport and your double vax and all that, and then they throw in Arrive Can that they have to fill in off their phone or their iPad or whatever and get that preclearance, and they've gone, you know what? We're busy here. Point Roberts is a tiny market at the best of times to them. I mean, it's a big deal to us, but to them. Right. And so we're not, we're not coming anymore. So four weeks ago, ne- neither U.S. concrete suppliers or Canadian con- 
concrete suppliers will come here at all. Well, you know about building a house, if you don't have a foundation, you're not building a house. So we're, we've got about 5 million plus jobs on the shelf now, ready to go for lack of concrete and no solution in sight. No government's people are here. They're not coming to help us. The, you, 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 you do more for a point, Roberts, than our own governments do here. I mean, it, but it, it's now all the other sub-trades, uh, roofers, uh, drywallers, uh, electricians, plumbers, HVAC systems. Now their work is all stalled, here at least, um, and and it, it's just so debilitating. It, it just mystifies me. All it takes is someone to simply come down here from the government side, look around, and get on with it. Solve the little stuff. We're little stuff. Right. Well, we were hoping that there was going to be some uh, kind of announcement or update from the federal minister in town today. That didn't happen. It was talking about funding, not about any relaxing of testing. Uh, But just to to go back to, because I would imagine, though, with gas prices so high on this side of the border, there are going to be people who hear that figure. I think Emily Lazatin said it was $1.47 Canadian if you were to purchase gas in Point Roberts. But as a Canadian coming there right now, as long as the border guard is up to date and and knows what the rules are. There's no PCR test or antigen test. You have to be fully vaccinated. And to come back into Canada, you have to have filled out the Arrive Can app. But is that the extent of it? Yeah, you have to have filled in the Arrive Can app. But they could throw uh, what they call a random test at you, which is a, a COVID test. And, you know, and it's supposedly random. And, and as far as we know, it is random. But again, the, the results of those have been no uh, positive tests. So you're doing all this money and time and inconvenience to the public, and you've got no, no, no positives out of it, all of your analysis you've done. And a statistician will tell you that we are now as likely to be exposed to any COVIDs if we go to Surrey or someone from Surrey comes here to Point Roberts. The odds are the same, which are very small odds, but they're the same. So what, why, why do you even have it in the first place? And then when you have to fill out a Rive can, which should be scrapped as far as I'm concerned, is all those questions that are asked are more questions than I've ever been asked by a border guard, and I've been crossing since 70 years across this border. And so you've answered all those questions. They're on a scan. You take your phone up or your a printed copy. Why don't they just have a scanner there? And as long as you scan it through, the gate opens. What do you need a border guard for? <laughs> it really? is all there. What, what he's going to ask you all the same questions again, and he's got the answers up on his computer. I mean, it's bizarre. Yeah. Unless unless they're trying to do away with border guards, I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea why they're doing it. Uh, how do you know there have been no positive tests? Uh, I've asked some people at uh, down at uh, LifeWise. Um, off the record. I don't think you can get a public record on it. Right. But um, we, we have some <laughs> um, information sources, both even at the border. Um, some of the people there are going, this is ridiculous, and they've been there 20 years, and they're going, we don't support this at all. It's, it's redundant. It's useless. Show me where the information is being used. I may become a believer, but they won't. You know, come on out. Come on out in the light out here with the rest of us and start giving us the information that we deserve as a public that we are compelled to give to you 
So all the information goes one way, and then nothing comes back saying, oh, well, yeah, we've caught, uh, well, even on your show, you had several months ago the fellow from Ottawa, and he said it was, what, 0.01% or something, and that was for all across Canada. For all travel. Well, mm-hmm. well, from here, this would be zero, because we've been following the protocol since a year ago, two years ago, February, when I got in first vaccination, and we've got a 90% record here. I mean, we're, 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 we do the best, and we're treated the worst. So what are you looking at then going into, here we are, it's March 7th, going into spring break, into another spring and summer. If things, I mean, people are hoping, uh, many people are hoping that things will change, that the testing requirements will be lifted. But what are you looking at as a community then going, going forward the way things are right now? Well, we will get our Canadian owner, property owners here back. And we, this weekend we got uh, oh, at least a couple of dozen families back cleaning up their place and seeing it for the first time in two years and so that will start to fill in as the kids get out of school and spring break happens and so forth but what our real heavy volume comes from of course is as you've mentioned gas and uh, shipping parcels and if that's the one that we have to work on getting it or continuing to work on getting it back because it's a whole confidence thing and the public's confidence has been bashed for the last two years, and we're working on getting it back again. All right. Well, Brian, thanks for joining us once again and uh, talking about what's happening in Point Roberts. We will certainly uh, keep following up with you and talking to you about this, but thank you so much for your time. Thank you. All right, this is not the nicest of topics, and if you don't like bugs, well, I think there's probably a lot of people listening that don't love bugs, especially indoors. You might not like to learn that Orkin Canada, which is a pest control company, Orkin Canada has put out the list of the cities in this country that have the most bed bugs, and you... Well, the good news is Vancouver is not number one. The bad news is Vancouver went up a few notches, well, one, from four and now sits at number three. Toronto was number one, followed by Sudbury, followed by Vancouver. So why did Vancouver get this distinction and what can be done about this? So let's talk with Trine Butler, branch manager in the Fraser Valley with Orkin. Trine, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you. Again, not the nicest of topics, but good to get ahead of this and not, uh, hopefully we don't go up any higher than three on the list. How do you come up with the list on the the cities with the most bed bugs in the country? It, well, it's based from year to year, from month to month in the year. So January 1st to December 31st, 2021 are the numbers uh, that, that are based on that. And they come from all of our residential and commercial uh, bed bug treatments. And so number three, does that suggest that there is a big problem in Vancouver? Uh, no, it, it doesn't suggest that there's a big problem. It's, it's, it's suggesting that the bed bugs are still here and they're here to stay. And uh, we're, we're running, you know, the usual numbers, um, just, just a little bit higher this year. Um, nothing to be proud of, but, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, 
yeah, it's it's normal. It's it's not uh, we're not number one, and um, the bed bugs are, are here to stay. <laughs> All <laughs> right, I, I I understand too that the number is actually down a little bit. That with the people, especially in the first year of the pandemic, with with travel bans, people staying at home, people not moving around as much, that we did see a real kind of downturn, which was great uh, that we didn't see as many cases of bed bugs. But is that changing? Uh, it will change, absolutely. With travel comes bed bugs. Um, the more people are moving around and traveling, the more the bed bugs are going to move around and travel as well. They're hitchhikers, so they're going to go where we go, and we are their main food source, so they want to be around us. And um, so if we're, we're traveling, they're traveling, and if our, our travel is increasing, so are their numbers. And for people who uh, have never experienced bed bugs or, or been in a place where there have been bed bugs, what exactly are they and can you see them? You can absolutely see them. So an adult bed bug looks like a, an apple seed. It's pretty much the same color, the same size as an apple seed. The nymphs, um, if they haven't had a blood meal, yeah, they're hard to see. Um, they're small and they're sort of um, in a, sort of a light light beige color, um, almost see-through in a way, but, but they are visible to the human eye, absolutely. And they're called bed bugs because that's often where they're found. Are they found elsewhere as well? Absolutely. Bed bugs want to be near their food source, which unfortunately is us. So if um, there's some place where a person is sitting for a long time, so say, for example, someone's sitting in the recliner, for you know, hours in a day. That's where the bed bugs are going to be because they're going to want to be by that blood meal, by that host, and they're going to be staying in that that uh, recliner where it's easy for them to uh, to get a blood meal. Same with um, you know, it, bed bugs can be found anywhere where people are spending long amounts of time. So uh, let's say, for example, um, public transit, maybe a library where somebody's sitting. Um, we could uh, we've seen them on airplanes. So it's just just a matter of of, of uh, where we spend uh, a good amount of time is where they're going to be. Are they more attracted to certain fabrics? No, um, no. Bed bugs just want to be where we are. Um, they, I mean, smooth surfaces are hard for them to climb up on. But as long as we're sitting in that leather chair or that fabric chair, those bed bugs are going to be sitting there with us. All right. So they and they I understand, too, they populate quite frequently or 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 you it's would be quite normal then to uh, a few bed bugs can turn into many bed bugs. Absolutely. Um, one female can lay between a three and eight eggs um, per day. Huh. All right. So if somebody is in the unfortunate situation where they have these or they've been exposed to these and they're afraid they've brought them into their home, what can you do? Well, you want to be inspecting your home. So the best way to detect if you have bed bugs is if you have dark colored sheets on your bed, get some white sheets on there or some light colored sheets. Then when you have those sheets on there, you're going to be looking for fecal spotting. Uh, so the, the, the bed bugs fecal matter can either be a red in color or a brown in color. So make sure you're looking for that on your sheet. You'll also look for cast skins. Um, so almost looks like a little bit of molting from the bed bugs. You can look for that as well. But that's the best way to tell because some people don't react to the bites or it takes them a while to react. So you're better off getting those light colored sheets on there and watching for any fecal spotting. I was told once too when in going to hotels that it was a good idea to pull the bed frame forward a bit and check the wall around the mattress looking for that evidence as well. Is that a way to find out? Yes, that's the first thing I do when I go to a hotel. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you want to pull your sheets back and check in the tufts of the mattress. 
Um, you want to check um, your box spring as well. They love the box spring, that wood underneath the box spring. So if you can, get under that box spring and have a look there. Again, you're looking for fecal spotting. And on wood, it looks almost black, the fecal spotting. Um, but, yeah, check the tufts of the mattress. Um, check near the labels. Anywhere where those bed bugs can get in there and really hide. Check for live bed bugs. So you're looking almost for an apple seed with an adult and or the fecal matter as well. And then I would imagine that's where you and your teams come in. How difficult is it to get rid of them if you unfortunately realize you have them? Um, well, if you have a professional coming in, it's not difficult to get rid of them. Um, we know exactly where we need to treat. We can do steam treatments. We can do chemical treatments. We can do heat treatment. There's all different options. One interesting thing to note is that the bed bug eggs are very hard to see. They can be laid one at a time or in clusters of three to five. Um, but we do, so a lot of the time the human eye can't spot that. So this person's getting bit. We can't find the bugs with just our human eye because there's maybe one bug and a couple eggs. So we actually have scent detection dogs that are trained to smell the eggs and or the live adults. They only pick up on live activity. Um, so one of our canines can pick up on just a, a um, bed bug egg behind the baseboard. It's pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and is that pretty, uh, works well then as far as not only getting rid of them, but I would imagine if you've gone through that, you want to make sure they don't come back. Absolutely. You want to make sure they don't come back. Do your due diligence. You can um, put up monitors. We have, uh, there are all kinds of monitors out there for bed bugs, whether they be a glue monitor. You can use something called climb-ups that actually sit on the legs of the bed and you would check those reservoirs and see if there's any bed bugs in there. Another good um, protection thing that you can use is something called mattress covers. And you throw those over top of your mattress, they zip right up, they lock in. And that way, if you have an expensive bed, for example, or just a bed that you you know, you buy your mattress, obviously, we wrap it up in that mattress cover. And if you do get bed bugs, for example, you can easily see if they've come back because that uh, mattress cover is a nice white color and any fecal spotting on there will be spotted right away. Um, and then also, if you do get bed bugs, you're protecting your mattress. You won't need a new mattress um, because uh, that mattress cover there is protecting it. All right. Do you find, too, that people uh, d don't deal with the problem uh, maybe as soon as they should? I would imagine that nobody really wants to admit that maybe this is something that is in their home or something that's, that's made its way into their bed. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. So a lot of people um, almost are ashamed that they have bed bugs and they try and hide the problem or solve it themselves. And, you know, the one real thing to note here is that bed bugs, they don't care how rich you are, how poor you are, where you live, what hotel it is. Um, they're not there for the money. <laughs> they're there for, for the blood meal. And, um, you know, treating at home with a chemical and stuff like that does not work. Um, you need a heat treatment. So steam works really well if you're going to treat on your own. The steam will get rid of it. kills the eggs, the adults, all life stages. You have to make sure you have a proper steam or else you're not blowing the bed bugs all over the place. Um, and uh, you want to get a professional if you are planning on doing a chemical treatment because the professional chemicals um, are applied properly and you're not just spreading the bugs everywhere. There really isn't a chemical on the market um, that will uh, take care of the eggs. It, it's steam and heat will take care of, of killing the eggs, but any over-the-counter chemical that you buy isn't going to take care of that for you. So you're just sort of prolonging the problem.